covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. It is great to have you with us as uh, we are going to be with you. We are calling this the Winter Meetings Preview Edition of uh, Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast, as we get set for a few days uh, in Vegas for baseball executives and agents and pretty much the entire baseball world that comes together uh, during the winter meetings, and this year they're being held in uh, Vegas. So uh, expect things to happen over the uh, over the course of the week. How much it involves the Brewers, we'll see. We'll talk about that more in uh, just a moment. But uh, certainly the winter meetings won the biggest, if not the biggest, event over the course of the offseason. Uh, this week on the program, we are going to be joined by Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation as we'll get his take on what to maybe expect during the winter meeting. So Adam's going to be joining us in just a little bit. If you want to get in contact with me, you can always do so by finding me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And always want to remind folks that uh, if you would like to uh, help us out by leaving a ranking and review on the podcast, if you do listen to us via Apple Podcast, that is always uh, very, very much appreciated. All right, so winter meetings this week. And I don't know what to expect. I think we know a few things about this offseason. Clearly, the Brewers are going to sign someone to play second base or to at least alleviate the second base issue might be the better way to say that. Pretty good chance they're going to sign a second baseman. There's always a chance that they bring in a third baseman if it just makes so much sense and they keep Travis Shaw at second. But all things being equal... I would expect Travis Shaw to be back at third coming up next season and that they bring in a second baseman. The market is just flooded with second baseman right now. So I don't think it's going to be that much of an issue. You wait a little while. Maybe you don't get the the top guy available, but prices are going to go down. So they're going to get a second baseman. Do they do it at the winter meetings? Eh, maybe, maybe not. I kind of I lean no. Watch, you're probably listening to this on Thursday, and they signed a second baseman on Tuesday. But I, I lean no. I, just, I think they're going to let that market play out a little bit first. But, hey, if after last year's, this is kind of the uh, the elephant in the room right now, is last year's offseason, where it moved so incredibly slow. And if you're a free agent this year and you watched what happened last year, you even though it appears that things are going to move along a little bit quicker this year, you don't want to be that guy who hey, it's pitchers and catchers are reporting and you don't have a job yet. So I do think there's going to be some urgency from a player standpoint that when they get an offer that they're at least comfortable with it, just sign it especially if it's a guy that's going to be looking for a short-term deal. I think we saw that with Jonathan Scope signing the deal with uh, the Minnesota Twins. He's making less money than he made last year, and he's making substantially less money than what his arbitration projection was. You you get those two things going. Generally, it's guys who are signing in spring training, and here he was signing in early December. So maybe they just maybe they have a guy that they want. They present a contract. They wrangle through it a little bit, and everybody gets comfortable with the terms, and and that happens this week. But I kind of lean towards us not knowing who the Brewers' second baseman is going to be when we are recording this podcast coming up next week. I don't know what to expect from the winter meetings. So that's that's the most obvious need. They're gonna they got to figure out some starting pitching stuff. There's going to be some veteran starters that get signed. Uh, there's guys out there. And to what level they're willing to spend money on a starting pitcher, we just have to wait and see. Uh, are there going to be guys on prove-it deals? Are there going to be guys who saw how close the Brewers were last year and are maybe taking a little bit less money to come to Milwaukee on a one-year deal to try to chase a ring? Things like that. By the way, that's nice to say, right? Like when When have we been able to say that where a guy might come to Milwaukee and take less money to chase a ring? That's... That's a nice thing to be able to say, and it's a little bit of a different thing to say, and that's what happens when you get to Game 7 of the NLCS. That's what happens when you're one of the last three teams that are still playing in all of baseball, and that's what's going on with this offseason right now. So 
they're going to get a second baseman slash alleviate the second base issue. Slight chance they bring in a third baseman and keep shot second. They're going to get some starting pitching somehow, some way. Uh, they're going to shore up the bullpen a bit. You know they're going to bring in some bullpen pitchers. Maybe, maybe they try to upgrade at the catcher spot. Uh, Eric Kratz is back, so you still have Eric Kratz. You still have Manny Pena. You still have Jacob Nottingham. That's that's interesting to me. What's going to happen there? Because if they were to bring somebody in, you're either sending away an Eric Kratz who did so much for this club down the stretch this past season, uh, a Manny Pena who you believe in, or you're putting a hold on Jacob Nottingham. Jacob Nottingham might already have a hold on him. There's a pretty good chance that the team goes into next season with their two major league catchers being Eric Kratz and Manny Pena. But there's there's certainly an opportunity or certainly a chance that if the right deal presents itself that they are going to go and uh, bring in a catcher as well. It's I'm I'm more intrigued about the winter meetings from kind of a a larger baseball perspective than I am a Brewers perspective. And I know this is a Brewers podcast. I know you're tuning in to hear about the Brewers. But we still don't know if we're going to have the same situation we had last year where so many free agents are still going to be available as spring trainings are opening across baseball. And we might get a little bit of a better idea over the next week or so based off the amount of guys that sign. You know, it doesn't just have to be Bryce Harper and Manny Machado signing deals. There are other deals to be had at the winter meetings. Last year's winter meetings, relatively quiet. And if we have another relatively quiet winter meetings, that could indicate that we're going to have overall another quiet offseason. Now, I do think you look at the guys who have signed already this year. I do think the market has chugged along better this year than it has last year. But I don't know if that's so much because the owners are willing to do things and general managers are willing to do things or going back to what I was saying a few moments ago that free agents saw what happened last year and the moment they got a deal that they were comfortable with, they're going to they're gonna sign on the dotted line. Don't forget, there were a number of players last year who declined the qualifying offer and then ended up signing deals for less than what the qualifying offer would have paid them. So you talk about leaving money on the table. Those guys absolutely 100% without a doubt left money on the table. So when you're when you're a free agent this year, this is one of those years where you're kind of keeping your head on a swivel and seeing what's going on and what kind of offers are coming in and the moment you get comfortable with a deal, you're 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 putting the two things out there and weighing them against each other. Hey, I think I'm worth more than this. Do I wait out another deal versus if I say no to this, I might not have another deal coming till spring training and then I'm going to make pennies on the dollar. So it's a, it's a very very interesting uh, off season this year, especially the the top tier guys, they're going to get paid, they're going to get their money. There's going to be no change. There's never a change when you're a top tier free agent, but when you're talking about the tier B, tier C guys, uh, that's where how it played out last year certainly could have an impact on how it's going to play out this year. All right, so on the program again, Adam Rigg is going to join us in just a few moments, but let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Clearly the biggest headline of the week is the winter meetings that are uh, going on and whether or not there's going to be a big move made. We talked about it in the opening uh, segment that I don't know. And there's there's going to be opportunities. If nothing else, you have conversations. You know, All the agents, all the GMs, all the executives, everybody is at the baseball winter meetings. So even if you don't get the deal done, you're certainly able to build the framework of potential deals. And that's going to be a real big part to uh, what's going to happen throughout the rest of this offseason for the Brewers. I'm, I'm as interested in who they might bring in as who they might send out. Does Eric Thames make it through the offseason as a Brewer? Does Chase Anderson? Does Domingo Santana? Does Keon Broxton? Any of those players could be moved. I guess you could say any player could be moved. But those are the four guys I think you look at that 
you know, you read the tea leaves and there's certainly some, uh, there, there's there, there's an idea, there's a thought that those guys could get moved for, for various reasons. Eric Thames doesn't really have a position on this team anymore. As long as Jesus Aguilar is going to be the first baseman, Thames can, uh, can spell him, but Thames is a guy who needs really every day at bats. You put him in the outfield too much, he starts to get exposed a bit defensively. I really appreciate the fact that he was so willing to play in the outfield, but he's he's not a great outfielder. Uh, Chase Anderson not making it on to uh, postseason rosters, and uh, he's going to make uh, $6.5 million this upcoming season. They do have club options on him coming up as well. I mean, he's a pretty – that's not a bad price tag for him, and I'd like to see – not that he had a bad season this past year, but the bugaboo giving up home runs was not good at all. I'd like to see if we could see the the return to form for Chase Anderson. And are there spots for Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton? Both players out of options. So if they're not going to make it onto the major league team, you're not going to have the opportunity to send them down to the minors to keep them in the organization. So if you don't feel like that they've got a secure spot on that 25-man roster, perhaps you try to make a move just to get something back for them. Uh, that's a, that that is absolutely a possibility, and we'll see how it plays out. I would think Domingo Santana has a better chance of still being with the Brewers than uh, than Keon Broxton. Uh, Santana had a really good final month of the season into the postseason and, and really picked up the pinch hitting abilities. And uh, he's somebody who probably makes a little bit more sense on that roster for next year. Uh, Brewers do make a minor league move this past week. They sign veteran catcher Tuffy Ghostwich. Uh, he does get an invite into Major League Spring Training, does have big league time, has 447 big league appearances. He last played in the majors in uh, 2017 when he was in Seattle. But he's not really somebody that's getting signed to be part of the Major League team. Now, he's a good insurance policy, but quite honestly, even as it sits right now, you're going to have to go through a few catchers to probably get to him because two catchers in all likelihood on the 25-man roster, that means somebody, Manny Pena, Eric Kratz, or uh, Jacob Nottingham, going to be out. Uh, you would think if it's Jacob Nottingham that's out, he'll be at AAA, and then go switch there as well. Uh, Jet Bandy, Christian Bethencourt, uh, both going to free agency, and neither would be expected back in the organization. So, uh, he, Tuffy looks like he is headed to AAA San Antonio. It's tough for me to uh, say that. I'm not used to I'm used to saying AAA Colorado Springs, but AAA San Antonio. That seems to be the likely landing spot for him this year. But it. Kind of like you can't have too much starting pitching. You can't have too many veteran catchers in your organization either. Uh, the other move, we, we alluded to it in the first part of our program, Jonathan Scope. After being non-tendered, he elects to sign a deal with the Minnesota Twins. Going to make $7.5 million. So this is a guy that last year made $8.5 million. This is a guy whose arbitration projection had him at $10 million and now he's taking a million dollars less. That trade to the Brewers, like we can talk about from the Brewers' perspective, how he really did not contribute much at all to uh, the Brewers' run. A couple hits are notable, but outside of that, uh, he was a non-factor. And as we talked about on the podcast last week, David Stearns has already admitted that that, that it was a trade that just didn't work. But he... He probably lost. He he didn't make out real good in that uh, trade either, because if he continues to put up the numbers in Baltimore that he was putting up prior to the trade, he maybe he gets offered arbitration, maybe he gets off you know traded to another team and and they take him to arbitration. Maybe he signs some sort of longer term deal. I just I don't think he is signing a one year seven and a half million dollar deal if he stays in Baltimore and continues to put up the numbers that he put this uh, put up this past year. So the way his uh, final couple months of the season went into the postseason certainly helped uh, hurt him in the pocketbook as well. All right, those are this week's headlines of the week, which means it's time to get to our social media conversation. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. 
Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. As we continue on with the program, it is time for our social media conversation. And uh, we welcome in a guy who we love to have on the podcast. He was the first ever guest on the podcast. Has been a big help to me. Uh, you know him as uh, the Brewer Nation. Follow him on Twitter at Brewer Nation. He is Adam Rigg, clearly of the Brewer Nation. Hey, Adam, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing well. Uh, it's been quite the run-up to this point in the offseason here, a little bit slow for the Brewers, but I'm looking forward to what we've got coming up, hopefully. Yeah, well, uh, this conversation is going to be largely focused on what is coming up, and we'll look forward to the winter meetings and the holes that exist on this team and that sort of thing. But uh, I do want to start the conversation by looking back just a bit. We haven't had you on since uh, the season came to an end, and the biggest moves of the offseason were the fact that uh, they've got a new hitting coach and a new pitching coach. They bring in Andy Haynes to be the new hitting coach. Uh, Chris Hook gets a organizational promotion, uh, moving from the pitching coordinator position to being the major league uh, pitching coach. I guess just, again, this is something that we've talked about on this podcast a whole bunch, but since we haven't had you on the podcast for the official record of it, what's your takeaway from the changes that were made on the coaching staff? Uh, well, I'll say first and foremost that uh, looking back on it now uh, with the benefit of some hindsight, uh, because in the moment it didn't seem like Darnell Coles was going anywhere or going to be doing anything different uh, this coming season. But that one probably surprised me less, well, you know, because, again, as I look back kind of as how the season ended, um, it was a little bit of a different different tone and a different feel to the interactions that I had, the, the brief, you know, passing by interactions that I had with uh, DC Darnell Coles as the season wound down. So, you know, in a way it almost seemed like I maybe he didn't know it at that point. Maybe he did. Maybe it was kind of his plan to see what was out there and, and, and give something else a try. Of course, he makes the seemingly lateral move to Arizona to be their hitting coach. So who knows if that's purely a money thing or if, again, if it was something he was planning on doing. But, like I said, that one surprised me a little bit less. Plus, yes, Christian Yelich had an MVP season. Yes, Lorenzo Cain was what we expected him to be, more or less. Uh, but there were some guys that struggled, you know, that you necessarily wouldn't have thought throughout the course of the season. So I was a little bit thinking that maybe, you know, new voice, uh, new ideas kind of a thing uh, as far as the hitting goes. There was talk, you know, maybe after last season, after 2017, rather, that Darnell Coles may be one of those guys who, you know, you could make a change at that spot and and see what you could possibly do for the offense based on how they finished 2017. So, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those things that, again, as it comes up, you, you look back and you, you think maybe you saw it coming, but, uh, or at least you're not too surprised that it did happen. But, yeah, with what happened with uh, Derek Johnson, that was kind of out of left field. You know, the reports come out that he had the clause in his contract that allowed him to field offers for a short period of time. And I guess that the Reds just come in, dropped all the money on him, and that, that really seemed to come out of left field for me. Now, again, is that a – he wants the challenge of fixing a pitching staff that has never been considered all that great, at least at no time in modern or recent history, at least with the Cincinnati Reds? Or was it just that he got blown away by the opportunity plus money plus you know family – uh, plus all the things kind of lining up for him, which is, I believe, is what he said in his interview. So, no, it, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, I do like the the uh, prospects of the replacements. Uh, I, I've said on Twitter already uh, since it happened that Chris Hook is a guy who, you know, Brewers players have, Brewers pitchers, I should say, have relied on him. Uh, some of them, the guys that came up through the system had had him as a coordinator uh, or a coach at a couple of different stops that when they were falling out of their mechanics or having some issues being consistent, they would turn to Chris Hook and he would help write the ship and get those guys back on track where they needed to be. So I like the fact that he's he knows a lot of the guys, um, the majority of the guys that he'll be working with as the big league pitching coach. And then Andy Haynes, you know, I listened to your interview. Um, it's the first time I really heard him talk a whole lot about uh, the way he kind of goes about his business. But I'm excited to see, again, what a new voice, a new set of ideas can really do for the team. Plus, he's got Jason Lane to lean on a little bit for the familiarity aspect. So hopefully it, uh, it works out in the Brewers' favor. Yeah, the interview you're making reference to, Shameless Plug, is available here uh, on the podcast page. It's from a Brewers Weekly conversation I had with them uh, on, on WTMJ here recently. Adam, i got to be honest with you, I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I had a blast talking to him, and I, I don't – 
I don't know what that means in terms of him, you know, going and being a hitting coach, but he was a really fun guy to talk to, and I, I enjoyed listening to kind of his philosophy on hitting. Yeah, and, you know, I think a big thing about coaching these days, and maybe it, it, it's always been this, of course, but with the amount of data and the amount of information that has to be sifted through and, and filtered down to the players, having a guy that can communicate and is, a, is affable, uh, you know, is somebody that guys would like to talk to and like to spend time with, um, like to hear, you know, his take, that that's can only be a benefit to the players as they try to, you know, get through the long grind of a baseball season uh, with all the things that go into keeping your swing right. All right, let's uh, let's look forward now because uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on here uh, with the winter meetings and depending on when folks are listening to this, who knows? This could. This uh, this entire conversation could be uh, completely worthless if uh, some big moves are made early on in the meetings. But from a very general standpoint, what are your expectations of what the Brewers may or maybe may not do during the course of the winter meetings? Again, from my perspective, from my position, uh, being where I sit, and obviously I'm not a guy that goes to – the winter meetings every year or any year. <laughs> um, so I've been a little bit detached as far as, you know, interaction wise goes from the team since the season ended or since the playoffs ended rather. But for me, it seems like there's a couple of obvious things that the Brewers are, are thinking about, are looking into kind of dissecting their options and what's going to be making the most sense for them. And I think the, the big obvious beacon that's shining brightly uh, as far as the player acquisition goes they need help at second base now they could get help at third base and you know leave Travis Shaw at second base David Stearns is on record as saying that he prefers the other way around to move Shaw back to third and have somebody else come in at second Um, be that an internal option Mauricio Dubon for example um, or somebody that comes in from the outside and as it has been mentioned by many people in many different forums in the days leading up to the winter meetings there are a ton of free agent players that have second base experience and are, you know, at least average to above average defensively at second base and a variety of levels of, of offensive production. So I think that's something that the Brewers are going to uh, take serious, uh, a serious amount of time at the winter meetings, whether it's talking to agents, uh, maybe there's going to players don't typically go to the winter meetings, but maybe there'll be a guy or two in town, uh, maybe for a face to face. Yeah, they can get a lot of a lot of work accomplished when everybody's in the same place, which is the point of the winter meetings in the first place. From a major league perspective, uh, we you know probably better than anybody listening how much minor league business goes on at the winter meetings as well. But from a big league side of things, it's more about getting everybody in the same place and uh, having things kind of presented to them both on the field and off. So, you know, with, with second base, I think that's the the biggest thing the Brewers are going to have to spend some of their time on. Um, I, even with the return of Eric Kratz, uh, you know, on the, the big league contract, the one-year deal, even with his return, I don't think the Brewers are shying away from the possibilities of upgrading a catcher. Uh, and then, of course, with Corbin Burns, even without Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, all probably being ticketed for starting jobs in 2019. Uh, even without those things happening, every team looks to add to their bullpen every winter. And the Brewers will be no exception, in my opinion. They'll probably want to add at least one uh, leverage reliever, especially if Matt Albers continues to be uh, second two-thirds of the season, Matt Albers, as opposed to the the first third. Uh, So you want to add a guy there. I think that's probably going to be what the Brewers look at. Whether or not they actually get anything done at the winter meetings, I don't know. Uh, Second base, again, it's it's a very deep market. I think there's going to be a lot of time to kill. And they can take their time on that move if they decide to sign a free agent. They got to get the right fit. They don't want to block Kisten Hira with somebody, you know, on a three or four year deal, even a two year deal, probably. So that could preclude them from guys like DJ LeMayhew. Um, but again, we'll, we'll have to see how Stearns wants to approach it. That said, I think they're going to spend their time wisely, of course, and, and do what they need to do to be able to either make a move before they leave Vegas. Uh, maybe there's a Rule 5 selection that could be involved as far as bullpen additions go. Um, But one way or the other, I think they're going to come out of Vegas with a clearer picture uh, of how they're going to attack the rest of the offseason. 
I found the Jonathan Scope Minnesota signing a little bit interesting. I think we may disagree a little bit this, although I'm kind of basing it off a single one of your tweets, and anytime you base somebody's opinion on 280 characters, you get in a little bit of trouble, so you'll get a chance to, to respond to this. But I, Scope signs so early in the free agent process he takes a million dollars less than what he made last year uh, before the incentives, and he takes two and a half million dollars less than what his arbitration projection was. Generally, ninety percent of the time, if you say those two things, that somebody may takes a lot less money than what they made the year before, and they also took a lot less than what their arbitration projection was, you would think this was somebody who signed, you know. Spring training has already got started, and it was just a desperation signing just to be able to find a job. But he ends up signing really early on. And I th- if, if you didn't tweet this, if I'm getting you confused with somebody, please, please, please correct me. But I thought I saw a tweet from you at one point saying, well, maybe the Brewers might have been interested at the 7.5. And, and my thought process to that is, this proves that not only were the Brewers not interested in him at $10 million, they weren't interested in him at anywhere close to that because if he's signing for $7.5 million a week after he's non-tendered, well, at some point his his representation and David Stearns, if they ever got into any sort of conversation, would have had to have some sort of conversation about what he would be willing to accept, right? Oh, probably. Uh, I'm sure they had that kind of a conversation. I'm sure they probably approached his representation early in the offseason and said, hey, we're willing to give you, say, $5 million, $5.5 million, somewhere around there on a one-year deal if you want to sign that now. Otherwise, you know, you you risk being non-tendered. So that was my tweet, yes. Uh, What I meant it more as was, had that been the projected arbitration cost, maybe the Brewers take their chances with – bringing him back, seeing if they can get something out of him, and kind of that short leash, cut cut bait early if you have to, kind of a situation once 2019 starts. Um, that was not to say that I think the Brewers would try to sign him for that, uh, and that's certainly not to say I, I don't think Jonathan Scope, once he made free agency, you know, players have egos, players have pride, and once he hits free agency, uh, you know, he came to this team last season trying to be a big piece to a deep playoff run, and he barely contributed uh, through lack of playing time uh, because of a lack of production. So once they cut bait, I I think Jonathan Scope says, you know, if there's something out there that's not insulting, let me get signed right away. Uh, I'll get to work right away. I won't have to worry about it. And I'm sure as hell not going to sign back with Milwaukee after what they did to me kind of situation. And again, that's not something that I've heard or that's been whispered. That's just pure speculation on my part. But I, I see that as being a, a legitimate possibility uh, just based on the way humans re- interact with each other that, you know, he kind of said, hey, this is this is me. I'm a better player than you think. Uh, let me get back in the American League where I'm more comfortable and, and just kind of let's get going. Let's get to work. Do you think non-tendered players, baseball is changing and the arbitration process probably hasn't caught up with the way baseball is changing and you go back to Chris Carter a couple years ago, leads the National League in home runs, gets non-tendered, and had, I think he had about a $10 million arbitration projection, if I uh, if I remember correctly, and he ended up not signing a deal until well into spring training with the legit talk of maybe going overseas. So it's very, you know, Carter did a lot more than Scope did, especially in his time with the Brewers, so it's not a, it's you know, it's an apples to oranges sort of deal. But after a very slow offseason last year and with players who have been non-tendered being forced to accept way, way, way less than what their arbitration projection was, do you think we're going to maybe see more non-tendered players kind of do what Jonathan Scope did and say, okay, I just got to find a contract and I've got a better shot of getting one when there's more teams needing somebody in my position than maybe at spring training where there's a team or two teams looking for it? Yeah, that's. I think that's absolutely part of it this offseason. You couple last offseason with, again, how many second basemen are available this offseason. And it's definitely something that Jonathan Scope had to take into consideration. So I think he gets a he gets an offer, a legitimate offer from the Twins, uh, and he says, "Let's jump on it." Like you said, let's not wait until you know if there's half a dozen teams that need a quality second baseman, and all of a sudden they start signing people by the 
you know, mid-January and there's one team left, then they can kind of lowball me even further. So I think it's just a combination of all those factors for sure. But as far as the, the overall idea, um, I think it, it's very much a uh, consequence of circumstance. Uh, and again, it's uh, all things conspiring to this set of circumstances for Jonathan Scope to want to sign early. Uh, if you have a guy next year, Chris Carter got DFA'd, or non-tendered rather, because he was kind of a one-trick pony, and they felt that they could spend that money uh, better elsewhere, still get some decent power production out of first base, maybe increase contact, not nearly as many strikeouts because Chris Carter was a strikeout machine. Um, and that's what they decided to do. And then kind of the, the marketplace bared that out a little bit. So again, again, here you've got Jonathan Scope gets non-tendered. Uh, probably the Brewers surveyed the marketplace, realized how many second basemen there were out there, realized that nobody's going to pay Jonathan Scope 10 million bucks, so why should we? And maybe, they, yeah, again, maybe they wanted to bring him back at a cheaper rate, and, and he said absolutely not. Uh, maybe they offered $6 million, $7 million, and the Twins offered similar, and he decided to go elsewhere. We, we don't probably will never know the inner workings of, of that kind of negotiation. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a set of circumstances that are particular to this point in time, and I think that's why you saw that happen now. And uh, will it happen again in the future? Absolutely. But I think it's, gonna, again, going to be a product of those circumstances. We are continuing to talk with uh, Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. It's Brewers Extremes, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Do you think the Brewer, you know, last year obviously two big splashes with Yelich and Kane, and I'm not saying they're going to do anything like that, but you can you can take big splash however you want to take it. You can use your definition. Do you think the Brewers have a big splash in them this offseason? I absolutely think that they they could uh, pull off a big splash for sure. Um, that said, again, David Stearns being on the record uh, saying not to expect a, an offseason similar to the one that Brewers fans just got to enjoy uh, last year at this time. Well, shortly after this time. But uh, with him saying that, I don't necessarily expect them to go big splash and really – kind of make everybody super excited and super happy. Uh, there are a couple of big-name free agents out there, especially in the starting pitching ranks, that I think if they brought them in, Brewers fans would say, all right, here we go. We're adding to an NLCS Game 7 team uh, trying to get over that hump. Uh, again, whether or not they actually do something that fans consider to be splashy uh, that actually impacts the team the way that fans would want that player to do for that cost you know there's a lot of a lot of hedging going on here what i'm doing right now but whether or not it it all lines up and everybody that you know you can get excited about a christian yellows of course you can get excited about a lorenzo kane you know you look at what those guys did and maybe we expected what we got out of lorenzo kane give or take uh defensively he was excellent offensively he gave you about what you expected maybe ran a little bit more uh christian yellows was exceeded expectations by far Yoli's Chassin exceeded expectations by far for most people. Uh, publicly, there was very few people that expected him to produce consistently the way that he did, especially based on his career numbers, based on what he signed for, uh, all that kind of things working together. Wade Miley, I think, was a tremendous signing that way. So whether or not there's a guy that the hype matches the production, as well as Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich did, Probably not. Uh, let's be honest with ourselves. That said, you know, just because odds are against it doesn't mean it won't happen. So there's reports that they are still a team that is interested in JT Real Muto. Uh, there are reports that they've been looking at starting pitching. You know, there are reports that they are going to be dabbling in that leverage relief market if they can get it at their price. You know, maybe an Adam Adovino is too expensive at the end of the day. Um, you know, maybe an Andrew Miller is too expensive at the end of the day. But those are the types of players that they could certainly be sniffing around. Um, maybe they get a guy willing to come to town for a certain for their dollar figure. You know, maybe a little bit more than their dollar figure uh, that the player wants to come in and win a championship and feels that they can be part of the of the missing formula to push the Brewers over the over the top. So, you know, again, I don't think that they're probably going to do anything that I would consider big splash. 
but they certainly could if they decided to go that route. The starting pitching thing is interesting. We're 19 minutes in this conversation. This is my first real question about starting pitching. So it's something that's maybe not high on my list. And here's kind of my take on it. They've got a bunch of young guys that's really exciting to see what they can do. You also, there's no such thing as having too much starting pitching. I've got this belief that don't go just sign a starter just to sign a starter. And I absolutely, David Stearns will never do that. That's not, that's not in his DNA. So I say this almost more talking to the people listening than I do kind of my belief on things because I, I know that David Stearns isn't just going to sign a guy just to say they signed a guy just like this past year. They didn't trade for something, buddy, just to say they traded for him. But you, you've got this scenario where, I don't want to go see them go get some like tier B, tier C guy when they can get just the same amount of production from one of these young guys. But on the other side of things, you just mentioned Yoli Chassin. And last year at this time, Yoli Chassin would probably be considered that tier B, tier C kind of starting pitcher. And then boom, all of a sudden he turns into a top of the rotation kind of guy. So it's, it's interesting because we might sit here and, and just name any kind of, you know, outside of the, the marquee names, we could name any of these free agent pitchers and say, why would they ever sign that guy? He's not any better than Brandon Woodruff. He's not any better than, than Corbin Burns. But in reality, they're, the, the Brewers are so good at identifying guys who they can tweak a little bit and turn into something special. It could be another Chassin or Miley just sitting there waiting for you. Yeah, it's a legitimate possibility that – you know, the Brewers have their list of targets and that those targets make no sense <laughs> to people that don't have the proprietary information that exists in the Brewers front office. So, again, we also have to consider the fact that as much as, as exciting as Corbin Burns was in the bullpen, you know, and as, as much as his repertoire should play into a starting role just fine, we don't know. I mean, we, we saw him pitch in the minor leagues, start in the minor leagues, do his job very well, you know, minor league pitcher of the year, that whole uh, kit and caboodle. But we also saw him struggle at AAA a little bit, granted, at home in elevation. Uh, when he got back down to sea level in the big leagues, he was a much more consistently uh, dominant that we'd want to see. But just as one example, maybe Corbin Burns struggles to readjust to starting in the big leagues when he has to focus on setting guys up more and using his full repertoire and not being able to just rely on you know, two pitch combination to really dominate as well as he did. So if there's a little bit of adjustment there, if Freddie Peralta, you know, if he's got a little bit of regression, uh, we saw what Brandon Woodruff did at the end of the year in basically a starting role, but again, limited exposure. So we want these guys to just be as good as we saw them be down the stretch in September and in the, and in the playoffs especially. Uh, we want Brandon Woodruff hitting home runs off Clayton Kershaw all the time. We want <laughs> Freddie Peralta striking out 13 guys, you know, like he did in his debut. And uh, we want him coming in a, kind of a, almost an emergency notice in the playoffs and just ripping through a lineup. And we want to see that. But we there are no guarantees, of course. And if the Brewers decide to go out and supplement the starting rotation with a veteran-type guy, uh, with a guy, who, maybe a, a Dallas Keuchel, for example, that, that's your name, uh, just to put out a name that people are familiar with. You know, he's a, he's a weak contact uh, specialist. That, that, that's, his agent calls him the king of weak contact, I believe is how he, is how he puts it. Um, and if you look at his numbers, he has been the best pitcher in baseball over the last several years at inducing weak contact, which is what Wade Miley, and, uh, especially, and you know, at least Justine to a degree, made their money off of last year. Uh, you know, you've got a, a solid defensive infield, considering what they do at second base aside. So we'll have to see how that plays. But you, you have to have guys that fit your park, fit your team, uh, fit your, your set of circumstances. And if the Brewers aren't comfortable, obviously, playing at, at the level of what Patrick Corbin got paid, if they're not comfortable playing at the level of what a guy like Dallas Keuchel might make in free agency, um, they have to be creative. They have to go out and find the chess scenes on their list and bring those guys in, let them do their work, let them get the coaching that they need, and hopefully they can get more out of them. The, 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 here's the thing about the starting pitching, um, and I meant to start off with this. The Brewers are in the unique position of they made it to Game 7 of the NLCS last year, uh, but there's going to be a 
the potential anyway for a significant amount of change in that starting rotation. You could have all three of Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta in the rotation on opening day. Chances are at least one of them is in AAA to start the season, probably Freddie Peralta if I had to put money on it, maybe Brandon Woodruff as well. Uh, you've got you don't know what you're going to get out of Jimmy Nelson until he gets back on the mound and really starts to to get the innings logged back under his belt, facing live hitters, facing game action, you know, ramping back up and to being that workhorse. Uh, Chase Anderson and Zach Davies, you don't know if they'll if Chase Anderson, for example, will be on the team next year. And you know, maybe they maybe he's a trade chip this offseason based on what he's going to cost as far as his salary goes. Uh, Zach Davies could be in the minors or in the majors, depending on uh, how all the other pieces fit together because he's got contract options. So there's this is a team that, you know, they won 96 games. They won the NL Central. They swept the NLDS. They made it within a game of the World Series. And we don't know really what we're going to get out of the starting rotation next year, which is exciting. Um to, to watch to see how it's going to go but it's also uh, concerning isn't the right word but there but there's a lot of intrigue there i don't know about you i'm for the brewers to go sign a free agent starter and give them a bunch of years and a bunch of money to me it's almost got to be a sure thing because yeah the if the Brewers would have signed a U Darvish deal like the Cubs did, and then Darvish had the year that he did for the Brewers that he just had for the Cubs, Brewers can't really come back from that. From a financial standpoint, that's tough for them to come back from. That's too much of their salary uh, allotment to not get much out of. When you're the Cubs, when you're the big market teams out there, you can live with a guy who doesn't play up to expectations. And the pitching is so volatile, and it's so easy for a guy to have a bad year, get injured, whatever it might be. I I personally kind of like the way the Brewers have gone about bringing up young guys and they're getting some reclamation projects and, and being smart about where they're putting some money. A guy like Yoli Chassin, where that's not going to kill you if that doesn't go well. I don't think they can – you said, do they want to play in the you know in the same area as the, the Corbin deal? Part of me hopes they don't because if it goes bad – what it could the 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 wide range implications of that kind of contract going bad right yeah that's absolutely has to be something uh, part of the consideration when stearns makes any sort of deal any sort of offer uh any sort of you know reviewing these players he has to keep that in the back of his mind he knows his market he knows the limitations unfortunately that exist and you're right they cannot afford to have a huge albatross of a contract out there um, at least not for very long. That said, you know, with where the team is now, there, there's a, certainly the school of thought, and I'm not saying I subscribe to it, this is more of a devil's advocate uh, moment here, but there's certainly the school of thought that if you go out and sign a Patrick Corbin, again, or somebody for 20 plus million dollars a year, and you win a World Series in that first or second year of that contract, then you feel a whole lot better about uh, eating a lot of that money in years five and six when the player isn't performing as well or, you know, whatever the, the consequences of that, uh, of that impulse tend to be, you know, down the road. Uh, so there, there is some of that where you need to be able to hit, you need to be able to get that production. You, you can't afford to, like the Cubs, you mentioned you Darvish. They've also got Jason Hayward, who finally hit a little bit last year. Um, but that guy still has over $100 million left on his deal that he signed as a free agent, and he has not produced. You know, you can't afford to have you Darvish, if you're the Cubs, not produced next year. A one-year deal is a one-year deal. So it was a bad year for the Cubs. You Darvish was sunk money. But if he comes back and lives up to the contract the rest of the way, they still feel really good about that contract. Um, but again, they have that extra money. They have that flexibility. They can eat those mistakes. You know, chew them up and spit them out. If you're the if you're Boston or the New York Yankees or the Dodgers with all the extra money they have, so they can afford to take more of a gamble. They can afford to have Clayton Kershaw opt out uh, of his contract and just basically re up him for uh, you know oodles and oodles of money. Then uh, if it goes bad, you know if Kershaw falls off a cliff after a couple of years, which who would expect that, but. You know, stranger things have happened. Then you move on. <laughs> you put you put that money aside and you go find the next guy, uh, or you hopefully have a guy like a Walker Bueller come up who's uh, who's not making that much money. But when you have the Brewers situation, 
you're right. Yulis Chassin comes in on a couple of year contract uh, with, I think there's an option on there. So that has worked out very well for the Brewers in year one. Uh, Wade Miley comes in on a minor league contract originally, uh, makes the team, gets hurt. They stick with him. And now he's a free agent, and hopefully he earns his money. And uh, whether or not that's with the Brewers, hopefully he gets paid. And uh, his changes in his repertoire and the way he goes about pitching, hopefully that is better for him and his family. That would be wonderful. Uh, but the Brewers have to they have to hit properly. Uh, they have to hit consistently. And if they make a mistake, hopefully they have the cheap depth and the talented depth to be able to overcome it that way because they're not going to have more money to throw at somebody else. We uh we got into this a little bit earlier. When when you're good as an organization, you're gonna lose people. That's just the way it goes. Uh, we've we've seen we talked about it already with the coaches. Some of the support staff though, we've seen a couple folks, whether it's from the scouting department, the Cardinals now have a a game planning coach, which is I I think Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. He's I didn't think much of Mike Matheny. I think Mike Schultz is a pretty good baseball man, and I think they're going to be better with him than they were with uh, with Matheny. But it's kind of funny. You never need the Brewers to go hire a game-planning coach because Craig Council's got that pretty much on lockdown. Like he, he understands the analytics. They don't need a liaison between the Major League coaching staff and what's going on from an analytics side. So I kind of chuckled when I saw that the Cardinals created that position, but they hired someone out of, uh, from, from the Brewers. I, I, it's, I've lost it off the top of my head right now, but I saw another uh, individual got hired away from the organization here over the past week or so. Uh, do you have any concern that there are some really, really good folks in this organization that are getting, and, you know, good for them for getting these great opportunities in other places. I'm not begrudging them at all, but is it is it at all worrisome that they are, you are seeing some of this support staff uh, leave the organization? Yeah, I don't know if you're uh, thinking of Zach Manazian. Yep, yeah, that's, that's exactly the, what I'm thinking about. The Giants. Yep. Yeah, yeah but, uh, I mean, good for, like I said, good for him, good for them, all the more power to him, and, and hopefully they succeed and thrive, but um, it's 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 kind of what you said it is i'll i'll be <laughs> as brief as i t- can be i know I, t- I tend to ramble a little bit when i give you answers but um in this situation you know good teams get poached um good teams lose good people uh because that's part of what makes those teams good and what makes other teams want those guys uh tampa bay is probably the the poster child for you know getting guys siphoned off from their front office they, they lost i think four or five guys this this winter already um fairly significantly high profiled guys as far as you know among baseball circles go so it's it's an unfortunate reality of the situation but again when you have success other teams want what you've got and the best way to get that is to bring your people in so you know the fact that david stearns is still here and you know there's rumblings that uh before they went with Farhan Zaidi, that the Giants wanted to interview Stearns for the, their GM opening or whatever they call that point man out there uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, Mark Adnazio said, thank you, but no thank you. He's under contract. We're going to keep him here. Um, Matt Arnold's name came up more than once uh, in, in early rumors in the offseason as far as, hey, if you want Stearns but you can't get him, how about Stearns' t- you know, chief lieutenant? So these guys, hopefully the Brewers can keep in the guys that they need. Um, but you're going to lose some coaches uh, here and there. You're going to lose some scouts. You're going to lose some guys that have been building the organization up in the minor leagues. Uh, but again, it's it, it's a it's a testament to the organization that the Brewers have put together and why they're winning. Uh, but it's just the reality of the situation that you're going to lose some of those guys. Adam, we always appreciate your time. Encourage folks to uh, follow you on Twitter at uh, Brewer Nation, and uh, we'll get you on again before the uh, off season uh, comes to a close. So, appreciate the time as always, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Absolutely, uh, and yeah, for, again, like you said, somebody might be listening to this after the winter meetings, uh, but I plan on having a decent amount of contents on the blog this winter, um, which you can get to thebrewernation.com. I haven't written on it a lot over the last couple of years just because of how active I've been on social media, uh, but there should be some content out there, especially around uh, Brewers on Deck uh, when all the players are in town for the, the Fan Fest. Gonna have some, some fresh stuff out there then as well. So, um, Matt, I always appreciate it when you ring my phone. I'm looking forward to speaking with you again. Absolutely, yeah. So the website again, thebrewernation.com. That's thebrewernation.com. You'll have content throughout the off season, and then once we get closer and closer to uh, season starting and pitchers and catchers reporting, you do uh, you generally do a countdown. I'm not trying to 
put you on the uh, on the spot here. But all that's going to be available uh, at the website. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I took the countdown off last year, just uh, some personal timing uh, constraints. But that should be back this year as well. Uh, the Brewers by the jersey numbers, counting down to opening day by way of the jersey numbers that the players wear. So, for example, when it's a week and a day from opening day, there will be a fresh profile of Ryan Braun on the blog because he wears number eight, and that is eight days from opening day. That's how it works. Uh, it's a it's a fun way to look at the team, especially when there's some some roster changeover, which I expect there to be a little bit again, uh, not as much as last year, uh, but there's been enough since the last time we did the countdown that it warrants bringing it back for uh, for 2019. Breaking news on the podcast: the uh, the <laughs> countdown by the numbers will be coming back. Adam, thanks so much for your time. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Adam Rigg joining us here on Brewers x Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Appreciate his time as always. And that's just about going to do it for the program this week. want to highlight this real quick, and we, we alluded to it during the conversation with Adam. Uh, but I did get the opportunity to talk with Brewers hitting coach Andy Haynes this past week during Brewers, uh, Brewers uh, Weekly on WTMJ. I almost called it Brewers Extra. That's what we do during the regular season. Really, I enjoyed the conversation. It has nothing to do with my ability to conduct an interview. I loved his answers. I, I, I just threw stuff at him, and I thought he was a really interesting guy. And I'm curious to see what it's going to look like and how he's going to relate to players and just all that. Like, so if you haven't heard the interview... Uh, it's available depending on where you're listening. If you're listening on like an Apple podcast or a Stitcher right now, you can go back through into the archives or if you subscribe. By the way, you should subscribe. That always helps as well. Please subscribe. I know I always ask you to leave a ranking and review. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, you can subscribe as well. That's awesome. Uh, but you can go back and listen to my conversation with Andy Haynes. And uh, be tuned in. Brewers uh, Weekly. We do it uh, on Thursday night, so we'll have another episode uh, this Thursday night from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on WTMJ Radio. You can stream that as well, WTMJ.com, WTMJ mobile app. It's available, so uh, definitely many, many ways for you to be able to check that out. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this uh, week's podcast. Thanks for being tuned in. We'll talk next week with another edition of Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.